This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Buckle up people because it is that time of the year. The clocks have gone forward, the nights are getting lighter and Manchester City are embroiled in another tense title race. Stick around as we dissect City's 4-1 Saints Marlin while possibly for the first time ever revel in a magical afternoon under the Anfield lights. It's Monday the 10th of April. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Louis Reto. And I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Walk on, walk on. <laughs> That's what I was singing throughout my Easter Sunday. Um, like I said, first time, maybe not the last. We'll have to wait and see what comes down the line. But um, yeah, what a weekend. Let's kick it off then, as usual, at this point on a Monday morning. Moment of the weekend, chaps. Uh, Louis, you are, yeah. you're going to go first. What, what was your moment of the weekend? A fine sun-clad weekend <laughs> of football in beauty. I see it. If you asked me yesterday, I would have said the um, well, the game itself with the Holland bicycle kick, obviously. Mm. But I say um, Liverpool drawing two to Arsenal. It's got, it's got to be done. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, a pretty good one. A pretty good one. We'll get to that a bit later on and what it means to City going forward. Ollie, moment of the weekend for you. Um, does it get better than that? Yeah, you know what? I, I was actually going to go with the same thing, but I'm going to carry on in the same vein because. The moment of the weekend for me hasn't been wasn't necessarily the Arsenal Resort at Anfield. It's the reaction. I'm going to read out uh, one of the best tweets I've seen on this, and I actually um, 
I know you've already seen it, but it's from at a visual game. Great account, by the way. Recommend anyone's following. Does loads of football stats in beautiful graphical layouts. But he said, title in City's hands, it's over, unfortunately. He's a Liverpool fan, by the way. I promise you, Man City end of season chasing a title is the most dominant machine in English football history. I've been there multiple times. It ain't nice. Now, it, it may unfold that way. It may not. But the reaction has been a moment of the weekend to me because it says that City now have this indomitable, incredible aura of this relentless machine chasing you down that last final straight of a title race. I actually think it's a um, a concept that sort of perpetuated itself with that Gundogan goal because obviously before that City had done title races against Liverpool, one under Pellegrini, one under Mancini, they'd been 18-19, but that was, you know, in isolation in this current era, that that was a one-off and up until Gundogan sticks the ball in the back of the net. And I think we said at the time, you know, it would help City in games because they're never going to be ruled out of a match where even when you're 2-0 down, we saw at the start of the season, City were coming back and, you know, had that belief almost, um, I hate to say it, but the way United's, Ferguson's United used to have, you know, Fergie time in your, in the last six minutes of a game at Old Trafford, the, the game's level, you know United are going to win because that's just how it happens. Hopefully, touch wood, it's the same in the title race. Uh, my moment of the week, and I'm, I'm going to change it, I'm going to move away from from the, the City Arsenal, I didn't nearly said City Liverpool, it's that ingrained in my head, but the City Arsenal title race. I'm actually going to say it was it was the report that um, James Corden spoke to Todd Bowley to persuade him to rehire Frank Lampard as interim coach. You know, it's real life Ted Lasso. And it got me thinking, actually, Ollie, which TV slash celebrity personality do you think would be most likely to meddle in some Man City affairs, I, I thought of uh, David Frelfall, who was who is a Man City fan. Obviously, most known for well, I think he's most known for for playing Frank in Shameless. But I, I think he's done a few other bigger and more famous things. But I can imagine him having a word with Pep. Have you got any any up in that? Well, firstly, I just want to correct you on one thing, uh, Frank Lampard. Please address him properly. It's City legend <laughs> Frank Lampard. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's City legend. It's City legend Frank Lampard. If he City takes legend. Of Arsenal at the end of the season, we'll take. Well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's got to be the Gallagher brothers, hasn't it? Surely. I mean, it, it was almost, it kind of was Franny Lee to an extreme case back in the 90s. Um, but if if the shake had never happened, if, you know, Taksin Shinawat and Sheikh Mansour had never come in and we'd had serious issues and we were heading straight for bankruptcy, the first people you would think of as kind of that next step of the Franny Lee evolution would be the Gallagher brothers, right? For some kind of co-ownership. Mm. <laughs> and then tear themselves apart and tear the club apart. God while help us. So they, it, it's got it's got to be the Gallagher brothers. If things ever really start to go south at City and we need some celebrity input, it's got to be one of those two. Um, like brothers, it. brothers from an Irish family trying to run a football club, club that that end in disaster for everyone involved. Then um, right, okay, let's let's pivot onto the match itself. <laughs> Southampton won City four. Let's start at the beginning then, because it was a really intriguing fixture, I thought, especially, you know, watching it in the stadium. I, I had a I had a sense that the first half wasn't really clicking. Obviously, interesting team selection, Louis. No major rotation, as some expected. Harland Alvarez was the only change. The four centre-back system stayed. Stones playing in midfield stayed. City take the lead on the stroke of half-time, but I actually thought that masqueraded over what was 
a, a, a well-controlled but pretty poor in terms of trying to score a goal first half. They dominated possession. It wasn't very inventive. Lots of safe passing at the back, but the tempo fell off. And I don't know if it's it's still City coming to terms with this system, but obviously we'll get to the second half and the fantastic performance there. But that first half up until the goal was a bit like, hmm, it, it, don't, it don't quite feel right. No, absolutely. I was um, preparing my halftime post in like the fortieth minute. And I was starting to think I'm going to put on this. It's a pretty. I'm, I'm quite disappointed. It's, it's, it was a frustrating first half. You know, Southampton had some chances themselves as well. Was, I can't remember who it was, but when one on one with Edison, who, uh, Edison came out to to sweep it as always. But that was a massive chance. Um, they had a few other chances as well. There was a big chance for Grealish, which obviously missed a good save by Vizunu, to be fair. Um, but it was getting to that point where it's like, please don't be one of those performances again where we dominate the game and then Southampton score in the 90th minute to win it or something. But um, no, that Holland goal just before the, the break was absolutely huge. I think that kick-started the second half of momentum. And they always say, don't they, Adrian, the expression, if you score just before the break, it's, it's going to... The momentum's going to be with you for the second half, and it definitely was, as we saw afterwards. Yeah, it, it you know it, it really does change the halftime team talk. I think that the best time to score is I think Oli McCall said this after um, the Liverpool game. The best time to score is definitely just after halftime because any plans that were in place just go out the window. But the second best time, obviously, is before halftime. And I don't know, Oli, it just felt like it felt like City had a lot of the ball, and you would expect that against Southampton. Obviously, we had phrase of the Southampton fan preview in the show and he said that Southampton would look to press with triggers you know he highlighted Ake as one of them I think John Stones actually was the the main the main trigger for Southampton in that midfield role and I don't know he was superb against Liverpool but are we in danger of perhaps maybe putting over this a bit of a smoke screen with John Stones in midfield because it, it looked like he was a centre-half centre half playing in midfield for, for the majority of that game. Obviously, got a very soft booking and that maybe got him taken off a little bit early. But looking ahead to Bayern maybe in the week, I, I'm not quite sure that's the option when you have got other midfielders, you know, setting you up here, Rico Lewis, as you were no doubt going to bring bring us on to. But I don't know. I'm just a little bit like, yeah, John Stones can do anything, but I don't know if it... That that's a game like that where you got a lot of the ball. He looked a bit out of out of out of sorts in a way, which is a shame. It's funny, isn't it? A week is a long time in football because this time last week we were talking about how John Stones is is the greatest centre half since Franz Beckenbauer <laughs> in terms of his his attacking output as well. But um, it was interesting because Stones was targeted possibly for the first time while he's been in that role. Uh, I don't think he's been hounded in any other fixture as he was but I don't necessarily think that's a reflection on his suitability for that role in big games I still have full confidence and full faith in Stonesy to do it in the biggest fixtures it just may need a bit of tweaking from Pep in terms of how the players around him support him Uh, you know whoever the right centre-half is where Rodri is when he's playing next you know alongside him um Stones is a wonderful footballer. He remains so. I think it's just a case of unfamiliar in un, un, in unfamiliarity with the role and just how we offer that kind of support in terms of players moving into uh, space to receive the ball around him. So now I think it'll be absolutely fine, uh, whether it is Stones against Bayern, whether it is Rico, obligatory mention, or uh, if we do revert back to that traditional right back in Walker and have Rodri as that sole defensive mid. I mean, we might even slip Bernardo in there, to be honest, for his Mm. energy. So we'll see, but no, no, no qualms with Stones if it is him, none at all. 
you know, he's afforded an off day if that was an off day. I, I, I just think looking at it, that Southampton midfield really impressed me. Obviously, Ward-Prowse at the base of it, Lavia doing a superb job. I'd say it's it's quite comfortably better than the midfield Liverpool put out. So was that a, a harder test for him? Perhaps it's going to be something over time as we get into these crunch matches, you really start to make a judgment. But just something I thought was interesting to pick up on because apart from that, Louis, flaws were were hard to, hard to find really in that <coughs> performance. Obviously, just before half-time, Kevin De Bruyne sticking a ball towards the back post for Erling Haaland, becoming the fastest player ever to 100 assists in the Premier League, doing it 50 or so games quicker than Cesc Fabregas, who obviously was a, a superb technician back in the day. Um, it was interesting. I, I, I drove down to Southampton. I, you know, crazy story. Well, not, not too crazy, basically. The support <laughs> coaches' buses were filled up, so I decided to drive down. But on the way back... They had planned to have the the Masters coverage on BBC Radio Five Live. Obviously, given the the uh, weather effect, the weather effect today, it got cancelled. So they're playing some sort of stock audio from to, to fill the time. And, and one of the things they played during the during the drive back was a match the day top ten podcast. Basically, Mike Richards, Alan Shearer, Gary Lineker get given a topic. They have to rank the top ten best players of that topic. The one they were they were showing was midfielders and. Amongst the likes of Vieira, Scholes, Lampard, David Silva, Ayatore, Kevin De Bruyne was in the shortlist. And I think Mike Richards had him eighth. Uh, Alan Shearer had him sixth, I think it was, or maybe the opposite way around. And they were basically saying that he can't be considered the best ever Premier League midfielder because he's still playing and he's still got some years to go. But I thought that I thought that was utter lunacy because well, I was thinking, thinking through it and I, and I genuinely think Steven Gerrard is probably the only one in terms of individual quality. Um, not obviously not the teams he played in, because Gerrard it would be sort of below quite a few players. But I think I think Steven Gerrard is up there with Kevin De Bruyne, and I still think it's quite comfortably Kevin De Bruyne is the best ever. This man does stuff that no one has ever ever in the Premier League done, hasn't he, Louis? Yeah, no, completely agree. I was about to say when you said eighth and sixth, I think in my head I'd put him one. And I know, mm. I'm, I know, I'm, people have those the people on that podcast probably ever go, oh, it's only because he's younger, you know, like he's only saying that. But genuinely, like like you just said himself, he's both footed. I don't think it matters if it's on his left or his right. I was looking at um, City put up a graphic of his 100 Premier League assists, and I think he it was he'd had 37 on his right and like 36 on his left and the rest were headers so the, the marginal difference shows how how good he can be on either side and it, it doesn't really affect him um yeah uh, you summed it up really mate but i think there's there's not gerard competes um to a degree but as as that advanced playmaker i feel like it's got to be de bruyne and when he retires i think people will start saying that as well Ollie, do you think, sort of from a wider point of view, because obviously in this parish, I've said on record numerous times, I think his his ceiling was much higher than David David Silva in terms of his performance levels. Although David Silva was more consistent, I think Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best ever player to pull on a City shirt, and I will always, always, always defend him. But do you think in, a, in the wider conversation, the wider discourse, to be considered as one of the greatest of all times, you know, in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years' time, does he have to have sort of drag City to a Champions League title is that something that that in you know we are all intelligent thinking wonderful City fans here when we know that it doesn't matter we know that the Premier League is a much harder trophy to win but do you, do you think in the wider context of football he needs that that European Cup to solidify him as you know it, talk, it, picture a great picture the greats of football put him next to them does, it, does he need that does Ronaldo Nazario have a Champions League title 
Mm. Does Diego Maradona have a Champions League title? Is is a, that that European Cup era was a bit different though, wasn't it? Because not, and I preferred it this way, but only the champions for a lot of that qualified. It's only recently that you know the Champions League has been glorified, commercialised into what it is now. As much as I hate it, I'm playing devil's advocate. So yeah, no, I, I totally understand. It, it, it's going to come down to individuals. Look, the the pundits who will not put trophies above individual ability will always have Kevin De Bruyne up there as probably the best Premier League midfielder since 1992, um, you know, excluding prior. Those that do will probably be those that have a vested interest in their own player, i.e. those that are aligned with Chelsea for Lampard, those that are aligned with Liverpool for Gerrard. Um, and they'll have no answer when you ask about Gerrard's Premier League title. But it's just going to depend on the school of thought that you're asking. However, if we do go on and win a Champions League title with De Bruyne in the squad... Nobody can have any doubt. For me, I think I, I think the debate was ended a couple of years ago, to be honest, with, with KDB being the best midfielder ever. And I did discuss on the pod a few weeks back that I still can't decide between De Bruyne and David Silva. That stands. Silva you will never put as the best out-and-out midfielder because he was very much an advanced player. He was severely limited defensively. So De Bruyne, in terms of having everything you need from a deeper central midfielder... Um, yeah, for me, the debate ended ages ago, but he will ultimately need that title, that Champions League title, to be universally recognised. Mm. But a significant portion of the football world will still recognise it regardless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and for some, this is, uh, at times, has been a down season for Kevin De Bruyne, and he's still on 14 assists in the Premier League, which is six behind his own joint record of uh, Henri in terms of the most ever in a Premier League campaign. There's, what, eight or so matches left. Certainly, certainly got a chance of breaking that outright. Um, one player who who you often feel will be in the conversation for, for best individual for, for quite a long time to come, early in Harlan, Louis, that's 44 goals for the season. 4-4. Four, four. 44 goals for the season and it's what mid may uh, sorry mid april nearly nearly mid mid april um I, I thought going back to the first half he was he was he looked like a, a six foot three six foot four center half he was clearly unfit looking himself about trying to drop deep get into the play his touch was off it a little bit like the community shield game earlier in the season obviously then 40 odd minutes on the clock ball floated towards the back post and and we'll we'll get to the second goal because that deserves a segment of its own but that first goal really really impressed me because the the two center half for Southampton had, had done a really good job of keeping them quiet for quite a long time but the movement he creates for himself and the space he manages to find himself in for a fairly rudimentary header uh, about 6 yards out was, was so impressive it it was it's sort of it's it's beast-like, and I don't mean in like the cringy KSI 2014 FIFA <laughs> sense, like beast mode activated. I mean genuinely, like it's like he's shrugging off players like this mythical character, um, sort of Goliath shaking away the the challengers. And you know, like I said, that was his 43rd goal of the season. We'll get to number 44 in a second. But City can play badly with Erling Haaland in the yeah. team, even if Erling Haaland is is sort of a make weight in for most of that first half. He's not involved, but give him a chance. Nine times yeah. out of ten, or probably more than that, he'll score. Yeah, for sure. I, I always allude back to um, uh, when Haaland first signed. I think what first few games, um, there, was, there was the incident where Foden should have squared it to him. And I remember Pep after the game saying, uh, "Phil's got to realise that Erling will always be there." And he and mm. he, he he genuinely is. Like I know there's, there's time to tire. He's been quiet and stuff, but that that moment encapsulated that crosses the ball in, and there he is, shrugs everyone off, heads it in. 
he's always there. He's always on the end of it. And I think it, it's a testament to him, really. People say, oh, he's... I saw your clip not so long ago and you said the tapping merchant thing and people still bang on about that. But um, who's to say it's a tap? Well, well, like if it was that easy, then why is no one else doing it? But no, he's... I've run out of superlatives to describe him, to be honest, at this point. Uh, yeah, that, that that was sort of the case in October, to be honest. But um, he, he obviously took his tally to 30 Premier League goals for the season. We're eking closer to that, uh, to that elusive record, which... Fair play to anyone who bet on it at the start of the season. They'll hopefully be making a tidy profit. The, the one we all wanted then, Erling Haaland's second goal, like you say, tapping merchant is the tag that's been put over his head. What happens? Ball again floated towards the back post, checks his run, sort of goes a bit too much forward, then has to go back. And you can just see it in, in the away end behind the goal. It was the most perfect view because the St. Mary's Stadium, the, it, it's like a flat pack IKEA stadium in the sense that it's, <laughs> there's, there's not much character to it. it. It's pretty much the same as the King Power at Leicester City, but it's really good for for getting a decent tactical view of the game. And you could just see the ball coming over, sort of over his right shoulder, going towards his left. Erling Haaland shaping up, flexing their muscles, Ollie. What what do you say? What do you say? Because, you know, if, if you're going to design a goal to silence all the critics, that's that, isn't it? Tapping merchant no more. Put the put the uh, the crown on his head, everyone goes home, and then obviously the meditation celebration to to wrap it up. Sorry, I'm I'm just still laughing about the IKEA reference. It's, <laughs> it's, it's less about the appearance and more that most of what you get from IKEA, you'll stand there, you'll look at it when it's done, and you'll say, "Yeah, it'll do for now." But you know, when we've got <laughs> when, when we've got the cash, we'll get something fitted. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about that ground as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But they, 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 they never seem to get the cash together for it. Anyway, um, Harland's goal. Yeah, Harland is efficiency personified he's just ruthlessly efficient he only had 12 touches is that is that how few it was one of those touches oh my god yeah the whole game (laughs) he had 12 touches it was three passes three passes two of which were accurate three shots two of which were accurate goals the guy is just also expected goals 1.01 he got two he's just ruthlessly efficient and it's it's not just efficiency in the statistics, it's efficiency in, as you say, how he uses his body. He's so incredibly and unexpectedly athletic that no matter where the ball seems to be, left foot, right foot, header, overhead, bicycle, you know, the, the, the absurd goal we saw against Dortmund from uh, Chancello's beautiful cross, he just knows how to put the ball in the net like nobody else does. And it's amazing for him to have such athletic attributes. It's almost a callback to prime Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who I'm not particularly fond of, but credit where it's due, had an incredible knack for being able to contort his enormous frame into whatever bizarre position he needed to, to strike the ball. Uh, Obviously, you know, you think of Zlatan's goal against England, uh, that insane overhead kick. Uh, when Joe Hart was 25 yards off his line, no doubt trying to impress Pep Guardiola. But it's the exact same, right? That That's just what Haaland is. He has this enormous frame. And whereas, <laughs> really weird, you weren't expecting this one, but Peter Crouch is going to be the, the the comparison here. And and Crouchy had, had that same enormous frame, but he was really quite limited in 
how he manipulated it. When you take a frame like that and give it the incredible athletic flexibility and power that Haaland and Zlatan have, you get some absolutely absurd goals. And we saw that against Southampton. Yeah, I almost feel with Erling Haaland, it's like, you know, them art mannequins where they're like sort of maybe like one foot tall wooden mannequins and you, you as a kid, maybe if you if you had one, you'd sort of move the body and you make funny poses with them, like doing the splits or something. That's what it's like when Erling Haaland gets into those positions, header, left foot, right foot, as you say. You you sort of, like you say, contorting it to, to create this weird, unhuman-like shape. And that's that's how he seems to score quite a few goals. Um, I, I hope we see more of them because, you know, as... as like we say, tappings are not easy to score, but I love it when he gets into full flight like that and 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 bringing out the bicycle kit. What what we absolutely love to see. Um, that'll do for part one. We'll be back in a moment for some regular Jack Grealish loving, and um, I cannot wait. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. Start of a mammoth, mammoth week. We'll be covering it as usual, five days a week from Monday to Friday by Munich in the in the Champions League to come up. So stick around for preview tomorrow. Um, as, as Pep Guardiola once said, I'm so happy, more, more more happy than you could ever believe. And that's what I'm like watching Jack Grealish at the moment, Louis, because the man is just... I, I almost feel like, I'm not going to name names, because I don't want to call anyone out, but you, you often feel with some footballers, they feel like it's a chore. Like, it looks like a job. You know, they, they play football, they turn up, they score a few goals, they're happy, they do their interviews, they're not as happy. But with Jack Grealish, you can tell he is living the dream and I feel like every normal person can resonate with him, not only because he's a cracking lad and a really nice person, but the way he plays football. You know, obviously, he got a little bit of luck, which he's deserved throughout the season, throughout his City career, to be honest, with the with the rebound. And, you know, it wasn't an easy finish. He tucks it away. But that celebration, a big smile on his face, interviews afterwards, he's, he's, he loves playing football. And I feel like after the first 18 months he had in a City shirt, nobody deserves it more because he's absolutely killing it at the moment. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm so happy for him because I know quite a few Villa fans as well. And um, first season, you can imagine the amount of stuff, the amount of stick I was getting saying, oh, like, look at Grealish, oh, like, Pep's ruined him, he's turned into a system player, like he's ripped all the creativity <laughs> out of his soul, all this stuff. And to see him doing it now and finally living up to it. And I saw one of my mates yesterday as a Villa fan. I was like, you've gone awfully quiet recently about the whole Grealish thing, haven't you? Yeah. And yeah, to see him playing this well, it's, it's brilliant to see. He, he he plays like a kid in the playground, the way he plays as well. You know, he's, he, he, he so much freedom, so much just so much quality as well at the same time, though. And yesterday, I mean, another man of the match performance, goal and an assist. He's got, what, four goal contributions in his last two games. Yeah, he's just unplayable at the moment. I saw a tweet yesterday where someone said, I don't think I'd take any other left winger in the world at the moment. And that's a big statement. Ooh. But I'm starting to think at this point, you, you could agree with that, especially for City as well and the way we're playing. So, Yeah, yeah. Vinny Jr. in there as well. I think that's probably the only one you could really at the moment. Rafael Leal possibly you know, can play either side, but I think you know, Vinny Jr. is the, the, maybe, maybe the upper echelon. Maybe, maybe just you'd have him ahead of Grealish at the moment. I don't know. I, 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 for City, absolutely not. But in terms of you know, actual individuals, mm. potentially. Um, but, but back to the Southampton game then, Ollie. It, like, like Louis says, it's the first time that he's ever in his City career gone back-to-back games with more than one goal and assist contribution. And you know, 
know, for anyone who who watched him, uh, you know, fair enough, criticism was was okay last season. He wasn't putting up the numbers that a hundred million pound player you would want to do. But his his uh, expected goals, his expected assists, were both high. That sounds like an irrelevant stat and something to sort of just dress it up as something it isn't. They are relevant. Uh, scouts, lots of top scouts do look at stuff like that. But you can tell he, he's getting the getting the rubber rubber the green, unlike previously. You know, I don't, I don't think he gets that rebound this time last season when things aren't going well for him, and he deserves it. Like I said, because I, I don't know at the moment if we're going into this this big spell, maybe Rodri, Nathan Ake. After that, I'd probably say Grealish is City's most important player at the moment, which says a lot in terms of his post World Cup performances. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's if Foden does come back into the team, uh, I've said it before, and it it absolutely applies now. It's going to be in Mahrez's place and not Grealish's. Grealish is one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment. <clears throat> I mean, just some numbers because outside of his goal and assist, all three of his shots were on target. He created two big chances, including the assist. Twenty six final third passes, engaged in eleven duels. That one's important, including three dribbles and twice won possession by a tackle and interception apiece. He's active all over the pitch. He's not only turned it on from an attacking contribution sense and sometimes getting the rub of the green. The guy is absolutely busting his balls for this side. And that, in a Pep Guardiola side, is more important than anything else. Forget the goals and uh, goals and assists. Do the right things first. Understand how we want to play. Understand how Pep wants to play. Is understand your role, but you know, be there for the team. Be there for the other boys. You, you know, you are tired. Fuck you. That kind of thing. And that's going to be re- that attitude is going to be really important coming into the running. But yeah, he is easily, if not the you know, top three, if not the the number one. Uh, most important player at the moment for us. He makes everything tick, whether it's Harlan, whether it's Alvarez. I think when Grealish is in the side, he is so important for, for everything we want to do going forward and providing that cover um, when there's a turnover in possession. I also didn't realise how quick he is as well. The last couple of games, he's shown some really exceptional pace. I guess that that is down to his... Uh, beautiful calves, just, just forcing <laughs> pure down the pitch. power. <laughs> yeah, just pure raw power at speed. Um, but no, he's wonderful. He's going strength to strength. And you know what? I'm looking forward to how he does in the running, but even more so, I can't wait to see how much more he kicks on next season. I have a feeling if this continues into the summer, uh, as we end the season, next season, he could absolutely light up the Premier League. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously not to cut this season short because he could still have a major contribution. So, you know, he, he was the width of a post away from sending City to the Champions League final twice last season during that Real Madrid game. So, you know, he could have been that guy already, but certainly. And I, I even I even said post-World Cup. I remember a similar sort of uh, tracking back tackle against Spurs at home earlier in the campaign, which is obviously, you know, had City lost that, perhaps it would have been a different story at this point in time. But, um, but yeah, a real a real important player you feel like and and, and it, his style of play it got criticized and it got hounded last season mainly because city didn't have the goal scorer who could have 12 touches but get two goals but when Erling Haaland is there, he may not be assisting and contributing goals for him per se, but just the way he plays and the way he ticks over. And and he he, he had uh, Kyle Walker-Peters on, on absolute toast against Southampton. That left-hand side was City's outlet. 
for, for the majority of the game and the amount of times he would bring it down in midair and just skip past the fullback or change direction. He's such a technical, technically gifted player, whereas, you know, someone like Sterling, Jesus, it was a little bit more pace about it, more acceleration, get past the man with, with the natural talents, whereas for, for Grealish it is certainly technical. And just one more point on this as well. It isn't only down to Grealish. We've got to acknowledge, I mentioned on the pod last week that a large, a massive, massive part of how we operate is that Pep needs to get the right players in place for his system or mould the existing players that we have. Now, the way that Grealish has been inserted into this squad last season, it did pose huge issues because number one, we didn't have an out-and-out number nine in there for him to find, but also we had Chancelo on his toes constantly. It's no coincidence that we're now seeing the best of Grealish with those two aspects addressed. One, Chancelo ain't here, and there's no inverted left-back that's pulling into that half space that Grealish likes to operate in. And number two, there is a presence in the box for him to find, whether it's Haaland or Alvarez. So it isn't just Grealish. I want to give him all the credit in the world. I love the guy. Uh, But also because this squad is now more attuned to how we can get the best out of him. So, yeah, there's there's going to be awesome things to come from him, hopefully throughout the rest of the season and next year as well. Yeah, he's got so much uh, much space on that left-hand side. Obviously, Nathan Ake is a left-footer, but doesn't really get forward. So he, he is able to be given the freedom there um right Louis let, let, let's start to wrap up with a, a quick look towards the title race obviously Bayern is coming in the week so we're going to you know next next episode is going to be looking at the Bayern game so we'll quickly whilst whilst it's still positive news in terms of the title race Liverpool handing City a title again it, it feels like that could be the case doesn't it a, an inspired wonderful magical comeback from Klopp's tricky Reds to throw the title the title race wide open it had me doing a, a, a fist pump in the front room I almost feel like I need to get a Benfica cap now and a pair of Nike 110s um, <laughs> I actually think you know Chef United are probably the biggest winners of this because if you look ahead to the schedule FA Cup semi-final is four days before the Arsenal home game and it's three days after the buy and away game, you know, City could be doing the major rotation for that. But the good news is heading into the sort of this this period where it's Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, blah, blah, blah. City are very much in a title race and whisper it, it's in their own hands. For sure, for sure. I put a, a couple of posts up before. Um, City win every single game now until the end of the season then theoretically oh, we should win it. I mean, there's, no, but we sh- no, but, no, but I've worked it out there because the game in hand... Give me we goosebumps. Win the ga- <laughs> we win the game in hand. It, we go to 70 points, Arsenal on 73. Beat Arsenal, it's level on 73. Then win every other game. And it just goes down to goal difference then. But realistically, the goal difference is already five better. At least six when you beat Arsenal. And then you win all the other games, you add it on. So the running now is massive. And I couldn't... Yeah, I couldn't believe I was cheering Liverpool's goals either, but there you go. <laughs> How times change, eh? Yeah, Mohamed Salah did his level best to drive me into an early grave. I've not, I've not quite seen a ball before. <laughs> I'm convinced Curtis Jones and Salah swapped shirts because Curtis Jones was having a great game before he got taken off, and Salah, oh my god, it was, it was pretty poor. But Bobby Firmino, I've always loved that fella. I've always loved him and his shiny teeth. Um, Oli, title race on, well and truly. Listen, you can't ask for more than for it to be in our hands in the running. Whatever happens now, it's up to the lads. We're not relying on any of the results. We're not relying on any of the teams. Personally, despite the fact that we've got an additional game to play, despite the fact that we've got two other competitions, I have ultimate confidence in these lads. They've been here before. 
um, as I said to you, Amos, afterwards, that Arsenal result will light a fire under every one of those boys in the dressing room. They know what it takes. Uh, it's it's now the carrot on the stick is now within reach. They just have to do it. It's down to them now. We don't need to rely on a Liverpool. We don't need to rely on a Newcastle. I've got faith in them, but as I say, all we can ask for is that it's in our hands. And then what? from whatever happens here, we at least know that it was down to us, whether we win or mm. lose. Yeah, yeah, which is a, a terrifying thought considering the last few months and weeks have been around, you know, if Arsenal are going to win in Rome, they'll win it, blah, blah, fair play. You know, it is it is down to City. I do think there's more twists and turns to come. Obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of this conversation rides on City beating Arsenal, which is not a given at all. Arsenal are a very, very good football team. And, you know, you should, you should yeah, you, you're nodding, Ollie, but you, you should expect City to really turn them over. They showed fragilities against Liverpool at Anfield. And if we get that sort of Arsenal, it could be four, five, six for City. But, you know, they're there for a reason. Um, plenty of twists, plenty of turns. We'll, we'll cover it all the way. Louis, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. No problem. I already enjoyed it. Ali, thank you very much. Uh, I've, got, I've got the nerves now. It's that time of the season. I'm going to bed. I'm plotting <laughs> in nerves? my head. You're, you're, you're pessimistic as anything. You, you, you think it'll all <laughs> Not... come down crashing in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, still, there's still plenty of optimism deep down. It's that time <laughs> of the season. I'm going to bed with the fixture list in my brain, thinking about a Leicester at home, a, a Fulham away, etc. It's that time. Yeah, We wouldn't want it any other way, would we? No, absolutely not. Positive vibes only, Amos. I'll, I'll dig it out of you somehow. Yeah, as the noisy neighbours lot say, expected vibes, positive, positive vibes to come. Um, right, okay, that'll do. As always, follow, subscribe if you haven't already. It's been an absolute pleasure. Big, big week, big, big week. We'll be here all the way. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.